Welcome, WSJF listeners, to the locally produced show called SJCC Clergy Q&A, where we take questions about our Catholic faith from you, and we have our St. Joseph Catholic Community clergy answer them. The goal of this program is to provide answers to a few questions about our faith that might help to support your faith life in today's very challenging environment. So thanks for sitting in to listen. Here's the host of SJCC Clergy Q&A, Bob Bastris, who will introduce his guests today. Good morning, Father John. Good morning, Bob. Thanks for coming uh, and taking the time to be with us this morning to answer some of the questions from the mailbag. My pleasure. I'll do the best I can. All right, let's get to the first question. This comes from Donna, and Donna asks, Father John, my family has become very divided over the recent elections. Many of the issues regard the candidates' positions on religious issues. Half of my family is very conservative, and half is quite liberal. What can I do to address this and pull my family back together? Well, yes, uh, that's a very important question. I doubt if there is any family that isn't divided in some way, shape, or form. Mine is. It's very interesting. I've got uh, dear family friends who don't think exactly the way I do about these things, and they do involve religious issues. But we do manage, by God's grace, to, to get along. But I know that some aren't. So how, what do you suggest that people do to help uh, reconcile some of these differences? Well, I think we have to step back and see that, what are we obsessed about, okay? We can be very obsessed about our political views, and even though they touch on the religious, which is very important to us, still, any obsession that takes us away from our one true obsession, which is Jesus Christ, um, can turn into something that is not very helpful, but it even could take us away from God and therefore create a lot of family chaos. What do you think the role of prayer is in this regard? Well, I think prayer centers our soul on Christ. And I think whenever we get baffled by things, which we often do, and especially in a very complex uh, culture of ours, we it's always good to see what Jesus does, okay? Who's Jesus? And, um, and it's very important to realize that in Jesus' time, they were political factions just like ours. And by prayerfully reading scriptures, we, we see that um, Jesus really didn't fit in any of the categories of his time. We had the Pharisees who were very conservative, and we all know the troubles that he had with the <laughs> Pharisees, right? <laughs> uh, on the other hand, you had the Sadducees who, um, they were all tied into the temple worship and all that, and with Herod, and they would be considered to be the, the liberals. In fact, there are the Herodians, even, who would be, like, way out in the left field. <laughs> right, right. Okay, and then you've got, um, uh, you got the zealots who were violent. Okay? Right, and uh, Judas, wasn't he a part it, of the... Exactly, zealot? Judas was a zealot. And, um, and then you had the Essenes who said, I can't deal with any of this. I'm out of here. <laughs> so they go into the desert and start their own thing. <laughs> okay. But you can't really nail Jesus down to any of these uh, groups. Okay. What he did, he he transcended these, these uh, political factions and religious uh, differences. Yeah. 
So what would you recommend to Donna then in terms of here mm. and now today's situation and her difficult family situation? Right, right. Um, first of all, we have to realize that we can never convince anybody of anything, really. But we can convince people with our peace, with our joy, and with our love, and with our concentration on the main thing, which is Jesus Christ. And we do that, as you mentioned at first, by prayer. And being obsessed with Jesus and his kingdom, after all, we are not citizens of this world, we're citizens of, of heaven. And if we lose sight of that, we're going to get into trouble. Well, that's a Excellent answer, Father John. I appreciate that. And I hope Donna takes some some uh, comfort in hearing that response. Father, our next question comes from Tom, and I think a lot of parents can relate to this particular question. Our son just returned from college and announced that he is a confirmed atheist. So far, all my discussions with him have turned into shouting matches. I was hoping that this was just a phase he was going through, but he now seems entrenched in his newfound beliefs. What do you suggest I do to try to bring him back to Christ? Well, first of all, you should take your son very seriously and to respect the fact that he is thinking. I might even suggest saying, wow, you know, this is amazing that you've read so much and you understand things so well that you can even actually call yourself an atheist. <laughs> It takes a lot of faith to be an atheist. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you in one of your sermons talking about your youth and how you questioned your faith. Oh, yeah. I question your faith is a good thing. You know, I, I studied for years under people who were not believers at all. Um, what that did helped me sharpen my faith. And so I would suggest uh, instead of arguing with uh, is just sit down in, on a table and engage them. So what do you believe, you know, about this, okay? And uh, hey, why do you believe this? And where does this take you, okay? And just just engage them. I think just ask simple questions. And if you're, he gets dumbfounded or tongue-twisted or whatever, just, you know, come back and continue the dialogue. And that way you'll show respect to your son and show them that you're interested and not condemning, so, yeah. And that would probably shock them <laughs> no end. <laughs> it really would. Yeah. Right. Because part of the atheist thing is is shock. I mean, it's it I think that probably from that standpoint they love to shock people, people. <laughs> especially their parents, especially right? <laughs> their parents. Yeah. I'm sure that whole college time and even if the son or daughter's not in college, right. but that whole time period of young adulthood uh, really is a time where the individual wants to break away from their parents. They may take right. one ideas that are divergent just to, mm -hmm. to uh, establish their own individuality. And, right. and so it's important to kind of follow that idea of mm -hmm. sitting down and talking with that person. Oh, it's so important, you know, um, to love them through it, you know. Yeah. Intellectual... And how long could a parent expect to have to go through that with a young adult? Yeah, well, um, uh, that's a, another question. It'd be how long does God put up with the human race? <laughs> <laughs> See, you, you always have to look at the fact that God's a parent, and so are we. And your pain is God's pain. We just have to hope and pray that, that God's going to 
work through this situation. In the midst of the, these conversations, what's the importance of sharing your own faith and your own stories? Yeah, I, I, I think that it's very important to, for a parent to really understand and appreciate their own story and even perhaps the story of their family because we're all part of a, a narrative, okay? And it's really a narrative of encounter and how we have been enriched by God in our narrative, and to remind the child in their in your conversations that hey, you know, um, this faith came from somewhere. <laughs> it's part of a larger narrative, and that um, it's real, and that they should know that the good things that they've experienced in life, a lot of it came from this narrative encounter with Jesus Christ. Um, I know in in my life. My grandfather was nowhere back in the 19, early 1920s. Um, he would be considered a, a worldly man, so to speak, <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. And um, there were a, a couple of men who were really working on him, okay? Trying to get him to, to embrace Jesus, and he felt sorry for him. Uh, he thought they weren't having any fun, okay? Of course, mm-hmm. you can hear a kid saying something like that, right? <laughs> well, you know, he was laying in bed one night, and he had a vision of Jesus walking toward him. And so he got up, turned the light on, and it vanished. And do you know what he did? The next day he went and talked to those two guys. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, Jesus, you know, broke into his life. It, it's real. I think I think they have to understand that we've had encounters and they're real. And they're most real. When you have an encounter with Jesus, it's like the most real thing that happens to you. You may doubt a lot of things. You may doubt that you did this or did that in your history or forget this or that, but you can't forget an encounter like that. <laughs> and it's not only yours— once you have an encounter, but when you share it, especially with your family, it becomes part of their narrative too. And then they need to deal with that. And you need mm-hmm. to be able to talk with them through that. Father John, as you were talking, I was thinking about our goal of missionary discipleship and what we want to achieve with that. Does that have any part in this? Oh, yes. Um, it's not such a hard thing. I mean, when you hear missionary discipleship, oh, my goodness, well, you know, that's not me. But it really, it's so simple and fundamental. And that's this. You have a story. You wouldn't be in church if you didn't have a story. Some grace brought you there. And it might be an encounter you've had, or or it might just be the beauty of just being brought up in, in the church. You have a story. And if we can get everyone in this church to the point where they are not afraid of sharing their story and making it public, so to speak, it's no longer your story, it becomes the church's story, and it strengthens the church. The church then can be saturated with each other's story and strengthened so that it can actually be a witness outside of the church, okay? Whether that be for people in your own family, but also just spilling out into Eldersburg, you know, and and setting, uh, I have a vision for setting this whole archdiocese on fire if if we can be. And it's really simple. It's just being courageous enough to tell your story. No one can argue with a story. They can argue theology with you up and down all over the place, right? But, you know, no one's going to argue with my grandfather's 
story Ooh. about meeting Jesus because before it, he was one way, and after it, he was another way. <laughs> and that was his story. Right. And we can always be assured of this. If people don't have Jesus and they're thinking about leaving the church, they're not going to be happy. Okay? And so, you know, our stories show us how God has made us whole, how he made us happy. We have something for them, whether they believe it or not. <laughs> so share it. <laughs> Thanks again, Father John. We appreciate your insights. Thanks to our participants today on the SJCC Clergy Q&A Show. We want to invite our listeners to take part in the show by sending in questions to be answered. If you have a question you'd like to hear on the program, email it to wsjf at stjoseph.cc. That's wsjf at saintjoseph.cc with Q&A in the subject line. Or leave your name and question on our studio phone line at 443-920-9125. That number again is 443-920-9125. Thanks again for listening and for your support of WSJF 92.7 FM. We'll catch you next time on SJCC Clergy Q&A.